0: Blob Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show hosted by me, Christy Demetrakis, the Empowered Speaker. I'm the president and founder of the Empowered Speaker, a company focused on teaching people the power of dreams and purpose and the importance of faith in conquering the fears that limit us from reaching our highest potential. I'm also the author of Faith to Conquer Fear, Inspiration to Achieve Your Dreams. You can find out more about my services and my book at www.empoweredspeaker.com. For those of you who may be listening to the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show for the first time, here's what you can expect. This show will provide guests who will motivate you, inspire you, and give you tools to activate your goals and dreams, whether those dreams are entrepreneurial, corporate, or personal. And today I have a special guest to help me do just that. Dr. Barry Nadell is an author, agricultural consultant, and expert in plant genetics, plant breeding, Physiologist, Domestication, Propagation, Plant Tissue Culture, and the Commercial Production of medicinal. He is the author of the Hoshian Chronicles, which is made up of what will be a total of 25 books, uh, and we'll discuss some of those today. Dr. Nadell has an extensive background, and you can find out more about him on his website, com. Dr. Nadell welcome to the Faith to conquer fear radio show
1: glad to be here with you
0: i'm so glad to have you my goodness okay there were a lot of four syllable words in your very short bio (laughs) you have quite the background but before we get into that i want to ask you the question i always ask every guest what is something about you that we would like to know that wasn't in your bio
1: um In 2004, my wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, she died very shortly after in my arms, two months later, Mm and started a spiritual journey that continues to this day that totally changed my life and is directly connected to the subjects which you want to talk about, and it was through this that I came to change and uh, develop this series of books to teach people how to deal with these very, very difficult questions we deal with in life through storytelling much easier to tell a story to get a point across as opposed to just using dry facts um. The story is uh a bit complex because we deal with complex issues mm-hmm. and the central part of dealing with faith and and how it gives you the strength to. Um at everything in your life, starts with the entire concept of what is faith. Now, faith is in two parts, often is it most things. There's the emotional side, and there's the spiritual side. The side that you think with your mind, and the side that you feel from your heart. Um, an example we find in the Bible is when God saved the Jewish people at the Red Sea, in part of the sea, and great miracles were done for them. And they crossed the sea, and it states very clearly in the Bible, and Moses and the Jewish people believed in God. Mm-hmm. And three days later, walking the desert, they're already crying and screaming, there's no water. There's right. No that. Now, how is it possible after such great miracles? that suddenly there's, there's no faith. Because faith has to be built from education. First you have to know who is God, what is God, what is His purpose here, what is our purpose here, to be able to have deep faith to understand what we're dealing with. So the first step is who is God. For those of us who are and we believe in one God, we say that God created the heavens and earth. He was here before creation, and He will be here forever. Mm-hmm. So if we start from that point and we say, all right, there's God, and He created everything. What now? Now we're faced with a situation where we have three possible scenarios. One, God created the world and made it with the laws of nature, and He left and, you know, it runs auto auto run. Uh, the second is that God created the world and gets involved in important things. Well, the question is who decides what's important. Mm-hmm. And the third is God created the world and is involved in our lives all the time. Now, this cannot be learned just from emotion. If you have a, a an emotional uh, experience where you feel a connection to God. This is something you can't learn. there There is only by learning and studying and building your faith. will be able to get to the point where you'll learn how to to fear. Because there's no reason to fear anything. Mhm.
0: I think I think that that's a, a big statement, a fair statement. Um, but people would say, "I hear you." So how do I, if I am one of these people who feel that our faith is low, my faith is low, what is that road map to faith? Because you, as you said, there's an emotional side, but then there's also the learned side of it where you actually have to study and, and study God's word. So what would you say is that road map for people being able to build that faith? The road for um,
1: the starts with basic uh, philosophies that deal with God. Um, there are numerous books written on the subject. There are numerous coaches, there are numerous guides. Um, one of the things to be weary of is any. who's trying to choose their own heart. Uh, You should always look for somebody, and this is an essential part of belief in God, who is humble. Look for a humble God. Somebody who doesn't go beyond himself and think too much of himself. Jewish philosopher from Spain during Middle Ages wrote in a letter to his son on how he should live his life. And he said in the beginning of the letter, the first thing is to take away anger from yourself. Don't be angry, because anger is the worst of all traits. And speak softly to everyone. When you remove anger, he tells us, then your heart is open to be humble because if you're an angry person you can't be a humble person Mm. so here we've learned not from the emotional side but from the educational side how we can move our life forward on this roadmap of trying to reach what is true faith so now that we have got to a point where we have worked on ourselves and we've taken anger away from ourselves now this was an incredible lesson that i learned with the coach that i worked with and i asked him how do we move anger he says you don't you just don't be angry and i looked like him and he was crazy I was <laughs> angry. natural right he said, mm-hmm. he said anger is not natural anger is a learned trait and if you look at it and think about it for a second you know your neighbor you grew up with your neighbor and they loved sports. And when something happened to their sports team, everybody was sad. In their house, they didn't care about politics. In your house, everything was talked about politics. Nobody talked about sports. So if the local team lost, nobody really cared. Nobody was angry. Mm -hmm. But if your politician was voted out, everybody's sad. So anger is a learned thing. You learn it from the family that you lived with. You grew up in a house, where dad got angry about politics, the other one learned. Uh, grew up in a house where dad got angry, and mom got angry about pol- uh, politics and or this or that, or there wasn't money in the house or whatever it was. These are learned traits. Anger is a learned trait. In other words, you can just stop being angry. You decide I'm not going to be angry. So when you can, and it's a very difficult thing to do. I'm still working on it myself, mm-hmm. but I... Proved greatly. You have to remember all the time not to be angry. And
0: so, so let me let me let me address that one for just a quick second because I,
1: I am struggling
0: to to fully embrace what you're saying there. Only because here here would be my question. I think that anger is an emotion. We don't argue with that. It's an emotion, correct? Are you saying that it's not a it's not an emotion?
1: It's a learned emotion.
0: So happiness a learned emotion?
1: Yeah, because it, in, in different situations, people are happy about different things. Yeah. You
0: know, one, you know, one thing makes one person happy doesn't make the other one happy.
1: True, that is true. I'll give you that. Yep. These are these are you know, if somebody says, "Well, be happy." Well, what that supposed to mean? Be happy? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> no. Each Let's individual. Yeah. Each individual is different. Yeah
0: yes yeah, so I, I think, there, I are think certain, there
1: are certain things that are common to most people mm-hmm. happiness is often connected with something that is satisfying in other words uh if you sit down to have a good steak meal the chances that you're going to be happy are greater than you're going to be sad mm-hmm. or angry unless it's right right and here's a, here's a good thing uh you're at a table in a in a restaurant and there's six people there and the guy serves the food and everybody thinks it's horrible one guy gets up and really starts to berate the the waiter and you're embarrassed you're embarrassed by his actions Mm -hmm. it's something that you wouldn't have done right right but he grew up in a house where you know if something like that happens you, you, you know you get angry and you express your anger you can just express your dissatisfaction, but you don't have to be angry.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think that's, I think that's the the defining. I think that's the definition I'm looking for, right? Because anger, everybody gets angry at some point. I think the key is how you express it. Because you, to well, your point, you can angry, express you dissatisfaction without being over the top, throwing things, yelling at people, berating people, as you said. So, okay, I'm with you.
1: But the truth of the matter is, if we lived in a proper society, there would be no reason to be angry. Would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have learned this. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have learned this type of behavior. And this is one of the points in my, in my books. And the third book, A Moral Legacy, is all about how nobody is created in a vacuum. The main character shows up in the fourth book. And the reason why it takes that long to get to him is to show that his characters are not as we would say, genetics, Newton. He is a result of what his grandparents did, his parents, and so on. There's a famous story of a uh of a young man who comes running to his rabbi, his wife is is uh, going to give birth in two weeks, and he says to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, when should I start teaching my child? He says, You're two generations late. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because you're going to be influencing the child, and you were influenced by your father, who was influenced by his father. So,
0: that is a powerful if, statement. If, if you want
1: to create a character that is special, that has qualities then you can't create it into a vacuum therefore literally the first three four books are an introduction to the main character to show that he just didn't show up out of nowhere because who are his parents mm-hmm. who are his grandparents mm-hmm. who his great-grandparents and you see the progress of development of their personalities over time and it's how they educate their children and how we educate our children is how they will educate the next the next generation.
0: You speak something that that clearly crosses cultural lines because I grew up in the South and my parents it's my funny. Part of the south. Um, you were okay. So and one of the things that are because of where I lived out in the country, you know, there were, everybody was kind of related to everybody or you or they were fourth cousins or third cousins so you never really knew who you were related to and when i was in high school and was dating or you know trying to date i knew whenever i came home and told my parents about a new boy that i was interested in she would always say actually my mom and my grandma would say who are his people
1: yeah what's his
0: last name and who are his people and I often thought it was just for the reason of identifying whether we related, And that was usually the first thing. I wanted to make sure we, <laughs> you weren't trying to date your cousin. But the second piece, is, which is very profound in what you've just stated is, what is their background? So who's their people goes two ways. Who's their people from a relational standpoint? But who are their people? Meaning, what's their background? What do they believe? What's their history? And I we, think we that... look at, we look in the Bible
1: and we see that is that King Saul was given a commandment by God not just uh, you know maybe she does not just a commandment God to wipe out all of Amalek wipe out the entire people mm-hmm. to kill everybody to wipe out every last human being because of this reason who are their people their education is an education of violence and hate and there, there's not way that anybody who will, will grow up in that kind of environment can come out to be a kind, loving person mm-hmm. and be a, a good neighbor to you. Because they grow up in hate. It, uh, the simple example is, is how important education is in the home. We saw in Yugoslavia, 35 years under Tito, communist regime, that the Muslims and Christians lived together. As soon as he died, they start shooting each other. Mm. How the heck could that be? Well, if you grow up in a house where your mom says to you every day, you know, Christians, you got to slice their throats, and in the other house, he says, well, Muslims, you have to slice their throats, you know, they have no value, don't even look at them, they're even flies, just wipe them all out. This is the result. So it's exactly the same. Who are their people? If their people teach in a certain way, this is the way
0: their children will come out wow that's good that's good you know and when I read your bio you, your bio is basically you're an author but you have a ton I mean your your background and everything you've done outside of the writing piece that I can see is all about science and genetics and you know you're a specialist in agriculture and what is what's rare is to see someone who's spent so much time focused on the science to be able to make that connection with faith, which is not scientific. So how have you managed to marry those two together? Obviously, the death of your wife was a big piece, but how have you managed to marry those two things together?
1: My wife's death was just a trigger. Mm-hmm. But the Maimonides, another um, Jewish philosopher who lived in in Spain and in Egypt, even about saving God from nature. And one of the most amazing things about, which is directly related to my work as a plant breeder, is pollen, simple pollen. How is that a vehicle to believe in God? Well, we see bees fly from flower to flower, we know, we we're taught in school to flowers. Well, we stopped for a second and then. Well, the bee popped on that petunia, then he went to that iris, and then he went to this. And yet, everywhere he goes, only the right pollen lands in the right place, and just causes a seed to be developed in the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, scientists were battling for a long time, until along came the left arm microscope. And lo and behold, every last species on the face of the earth of flowering plants have different pollen. In other words, it's almost like a fingerprint. They are completely different. And on the pistil, on the female end, there are receptors that if they don't fit perfect, the pollen will not germinate and send its tube down to join the the genes of the of the male and the female. In other words, the system is so complex and it's so simple. It's impossible not to hand God now. No being could come up with that kind of concept. The same with genetics. When as I, I had a, an interesting talk with a, a very well known geneticist who deals with uh, the. S35 gene that, that deals with um, cancer. And we were, she was speaking about how the genetic system has its own safeguard system built in. It actually tests to make sure the copies are correct. This is built into the system. In other words, when the genes are dividing, there's a system, there's a backup system to make sure it's done right. It's just mind boggling how complex these tiny little things are and how they work. Uh, I was I grew up uh educated in the field of plants and in my master's degree at the end of a course in plant um uh, morphology, our professor said, I want you guys to have a wider view of the world we're going to go listen to a lecture about mammalian embryogenesis. How does a a mammal's embryo develop? Well, we were totally blown away because plants are static, they don't Mm -hmm. move, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and the embryo develops very simply into a globular form, and from a globular form to what we call a torpedo form, and then you see the Kyleans and the root and it develops into a little plant. It's pretty simple. In mammals, the system is so complex. It is mind-boggling to think that a person can be born normal. Cells actually move from place to place. Your liver cells can start on the outside and move on the inside there are thousands upon thousands of genes being turned on and off in cells next to each other and we don't have this last idea what the overall community is all about the complexity of what we see and the greatness of God is beyond comprehension these simple little things that we can't see control life Mm -hmm. and it took us Thousands of years to figure it out, but get within the Bible the whole time. In the Bible, in in, in uh, the first chapter of the Bible, God talks about how He created mammals. And after everything they've created, plants, flowers, it says after its own, mm-hmm. own kind. After its own kind, after its own kind, after its own kind. In other words, when you take Two chickens together, you get a chicken. Right. And you take two horses together, you get a horse. Why should that be? Well, now that we understand what genetics is, it's obvious that this one single word, after its own kind, is all about genetics. And when we say that the Bible has 70 faces that it's like an onion you can peel off and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And yet you see from this one word, there have been thousands of books written Mm and thousands of scientific papers written just from the basis of one word. And if somebody can't see the greatness of God in that, I feel sorry for them. Exactly. My
0: goodness. Wow, that is such great perspective. That's such great perspective. Well, Dr. Nato, we have not talked about the Hoshian Chronicles in much detail and in our last few minutes I want you to uh, let people know again what's the overall premise of the Hoshian Chronicles and what have you written so far and what's your vision for the rest of them and how can they get these books?
1: Okay, the first book of the Hoshian Chronicles is Seeking the Light of Justice. The basis of the entire series is based on three principles righteousness, faith, and justice and these three attributes are found in the king whose nickname is the light of judgment the series is fantasy to a small degree it is based on the situation that happens in the Bible, which I just sort of made a little elastic, the story of of God uh, talking to Abraham about the destruction of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's an argument, or uh, really a um, bartering, where Abraham says to God, well, what's this 50 righteous people, will you destroy the city? He says, no. Well, how about if 45? And he works all the way down to 10. Mm-hmm. And the commentary says that God will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So I use that as the basis of the entire story. And during the first revolt against Rome in 65 AD, Um, the people of the land of Israel rose up revolt against Rome and after four years of independence were reconquered. Now, I use that as the basis of the story because the city or the village where these people lived was a village that was the center of the ethical movement of of the land people who wanted to live an ethical life moved to this village so on the basis that God did not destroy the the righteous wicked I have them try to escape by sea and there's a huge storm like in the story of Yonan and the whale and they in a netherland and that's where the fantasy comes in they come to a where they are able to continue their development not under the Roman heel and that's the basis of the story and how they develop, how they are not stopped in their development and how they continue to develop from a spiritual side and there are a few things that seem impossible but people who have highly developed spirituality can achieve unbelievable things. Hmm. And though it is still fantasy, it is just barely. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I love it. I love it. That sounds so exciting. How can people get copies of what you've written so far? I know you have uh, a lot more in the
1: Amazon. The first book is available on Amazon. The next two books will be out soon. Um, I'm also writing children's books based on characters from that dealing with ethics for children, small Mm -hmm. children, Mm -hmm. which is a very difficult subject because of vocabulary. Um, Small children cannot uh, deal with ethics most of the time because of the difficult vocabulary, but I found a way around that, and I hope to be publishing those books very, very soon wonderful
0: well dr dendell thank you so much for being a guest on the faith to conquer fear radio show it was a pleasure having you and i have learned a lot um just in our few short minutes together so thank you again and i want to thank, thank yes and i want to thank you all for listening to the faith to conquer fear radio show with me christy Demetrakis. i invite you to follow me and the show on blog talk radio to get news and reminders for upcoming shows I'd also like you to connect with me on Twitter. My handle is at C. and on my two Facebook pages, Faith to Conquer Fears and The Empowered Speaker. This will allow you to keep up with all the news and events to inspire you to keep it moving. I'm doing what I love. Talk to you soon.